This podcast is made possible by our sponsors, The Interchange Bench and Vital Smarts. Are you struggling to handle tough conversations where the stakes are high and emotions are out of control? Crucial Conversations training will give you all the skills you need to speak up in any situation, the skills to hold the tough conversations, hold them well, and hold others accountable. Visit vitalsmarts.com.au. Have you voted yet? God, no. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. I think you'd have to wait until the last minute, even if you are wedded to a party and you have been all your life. Well, I think it's interesting that Labor have just now just no holds barred. They're just absolutely trashing the brand of News Limited. I was grumpy, and I was so grumpy, I was becoming really agitated and really angry. And this is my tip, not just to golfers, but to anybody. Smell the roses. If we really do care about mental health and what young people are going through, to have a great sporting hero say that you are going to help, go to hell if you are gay, for a young teenager coming to terms with his or her sexuality, I cannot imagine how damaging that would be. Just a little message to my veggie patch. Hello, everyone. I hope you're growing well and enjoying the rain. But to the cauliflower, get growing, guys. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. Welcome to Don't Shoot the Messenger. This is episode 84. I'm Corey Perkin and here once again with my friend and fellow podster, the award-winning journalist and queen of the Quintstart, Caroline Wilson. We're on. We're on. Did you say episode 84? 84. Where did the time go? That makes us very old. Uh, Caro, uh, we had a fabulous time last week at the Miracle Mums campaign launch for the Royal Women's Hospital. And I would like to thank all of the potties who turned up at 7.30 in the morning to the Melbourne Town Hall to say good day to us and to uh, contribute to this wonderful appeal. And also to our listeners at home who couldn't make it in, who have sent lovely messages, and some of them have also uh, made a donation, which I think is really top effort, girls and boys. It is, but... Speaking of getting comfortable and having done 84 episodes, it's quite nice to be back in the studio with Jane's beautiful flowers. It's and no, no one looking at us. It's called leaving our comfort zone. And they are beautiful quinces Jane's brought in and then started to give me a bit of advice about them, which I thought was a bit cheeky, oh. given that I've been banging on about quinces for the last three weeks. And you do grow beautiful quinces too. Oh, uh, I, there is really? something very disconcerting about a live performance. You're used to it. I'm not so used to it. Anna from the op shop sent you and I a text during the week saying, Lordy, I've just watched with the family. Uh, I think Jane, our lovely producer, had taken a little snap of a video and Anna is in full flight. I think she was talking about her book, but she said her hands are moving like fury and her family have said that she's used her hands like a flapping bird. So uh, sometimes the live performance does expose us, but we had a great time. Thanks to Jewel and to Anna from the op shop, Anna Barry, and of course, Lynn Swinburne and Dr. Brett, Dr. Brett Manley from the Royal Women's Hospital. We were very happy with Dr. Brett. Not only the full-blown Western Bulldog supporter and was just Fainting, Caro, to meet you. He was so in awe of meeting you. He would have been fainting, fainting at the Bond <laughs> at the Bond's performance on Saturday night over the Tigers. But I he didn't was great. Spare a thought for Dr. Brett when his Bulldogs played so well. He was great. No, it was a, a very, very, very impressive. And um, some lovely messages, Corrie. Um, Virginia on Instagram loved uh, Mum's um, recipe. Um, the beef. She can't get beef where she is. Where's she Instagramming from? 
Anyway, wherever she is. India. Oh, sorry, She's, in India. She starts her, her, oh, her hotel room love in India. listening to this week's podcast, washing my clothes in my hotel room in India. And Kate Chalk on Instagram, who um, listens to us walking around the Adelaide Hills. Lucky you, Kate. That is beautiful. And Julie Ryan, who listened to our anniversary episode, um, has been catching up um, driving from LA to Yosemite with her friend and my old colleague, Jared Wright. Oh, we, and my old colleague too. We wrote a few stories together, Jared and I. Ruffled he was a few an investigative feathers. journalist, wasn't he? Yeah, so he's hearing all about me vicariously through the podcast. Um, now, Caro, I have an apology and this was actually brought to my attention from my lovely book rep, Mandy of Hardy Grant, who's been on the show before. And she was just appalled when she heard that I had uh, referred in a fun way to possibly David Cassidy, possibly having a bit of a fling with his. I told tele- you, Corrie. I told you, <laughs> Shirley that was wrong. Jones. So, uh, apologies to the late David Cassidy and the. Oct- octogenarian, still alive, still with us, Shirley Jones, that I inferred that perhaps you'd had a bit of a fling. Hopefully news hasn't reached Shirley in California. Well, I hope not. But, um, of course, she was David Cassidy's stepmother, and I gather they had a very close and uh, loving family Which relationship. Which I said to you, oh, you didn't listen. Sometimes I'm right, Corrie. Now, that was a well, terrible, nev- disparaging oh, comment can, to make. Can we not make this about – can I just finish the apology here? <laughs> God almighty, it's all about you. Who are you apologising to, Shirley? <laughs> well, no, well, to David and Shirley. But I did mix it up with the rumour about Flor- Florence Henderson, who uh, was the mother in The Brady Bunch, and Barry Williams, who played the eldest Brady Greg. son, Greg Brady, correct. I actually had a crush on Peter, but anyway, look, Greg was... Um, he had. Uh, I don't. Look, I'm not going to say one more main thing apart from this. How you could confuse the Brady Bunch with the Partridge Family is going to baffle many people outside the studio, as well as me. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I had a fight with my brother, saying that Virgil was um, one of the characters in um, F Troop, and he kept saying no, he was on McHale's Navy. No, McHale's yeah. Navy. Oh, Thunderbirds! As if I'd mixed that up. <laughs> oh, if you, the, he was on the crew that. of the PT seventy three. Oh, okay. And he was the best looking one. And I was just sure it was F Troop. Anyway, look, I have, I've got to get my 60s and 70s TV uh, fix. I've got to get it organised. Anyway, so apologies for that. I'm an idiot. Caro's brilliant. And um, No, it's not brilliant to know that Barry, <laughs> that Barry Cassidy, oh, heavens to Betsy, <laughs> David Cassidy, David Cassidy Barry wasn't Cassidy having a fling with his Barry stepmother. Barry Cassidy having an affair with, no, Heather, it's Shirley. okay. Your husband's not having an affair with Shirley. <laughs> Shirley! Jones. Remember Shirley oh, in Oklahoma? This. Anyway. Oh, she that was, uh, she was great in Oklahoma. And um, that was actually one of my favourite Hollywood musicals. Oh, it was a oh, silly Oh, it was so film, OTT. Corey. And yeah. it was all done on set. <laughs> it was silly. It was not a real pine tree to be seen, but I did love it. I would like to just uh, thank our show sponsors. Now, of course, without our sponsors, Carol and I just wouldn't be able to frock up and get here each week. And poor Miss Jane and her son Huey would be out on the streets with um, no money. I would like to thank the Interchange Bench firstly, Interchange Bench, quality long and short-term staffing, and our new friends, Vital Smarts, globally proven crucial conversations, hold tough conversations well. And I did play golf this week with somebody who their organisation a couple of years ago had used Vital Smarts. They had brought one of the consultants in to talk to their smallish team, but nonetheless important team, about how to all get on and business and management practice and so on. And this lady I played golf with said how helpful it was. So good on you, Vital Smarts. How did you go? Did Lynn Swinburne took you to a guest day at her golf club? She did. How did that go? Well, that's actually... 
uh, going to be my grumpy today, Carol. Oh, okay. But I had a lovely time with Linny. It was great. And I was uh, very grateful to her for taking me to her beautiful club. We had such a fun day. Not so great, the golf. Carol, we've got lots to get through, but let's start first of all with our goal of the month for May. How is your challenge going? Um, to be the world's greatest mother. It hasn't started yet. <laughs> Oh, darling, your children would say you are the world's greatest mother. No, this is terrible. I was driving home um, from – I got home from – I did an episode of The Offsiders last Sunday and I had forgotten that I'd said to Clem, we're going to have a visit to Uniqlo and, you know, get you a new puffer and get a couple of cheap jumpers for work so, and do a bit your, of a mother-daughter. Can you just remind everybody what your main challenge was? That I was going to spend some quality time with each of my children doing an outing or doing something. So that, shopping qualifies. No, well, that wasn't – that that was just apropos of nothing. I'd said that. So I got home and Clem said, are we still? And I said, look, I'm really sorry. I'm stuffed. I'm too tired. I can't move. I cannot leave the house. I've got work to do. I've got to prepare for stuff tomorrow. I'm so sorry. And she said, did I hear you say on the podcast that you were, we're running, May is already one week over. And I said, oh, you know, just the compound, compound, compound. So no, it will happen. It hasn't started. So are you, are you saying that all these years you and I have been friends and mothers and full-time workers and we have lamented the fact that we haven't been there for the sports day or been able to do all the things that we would have loved to have done oh, we never with our children? Day. We always no, managed we to get to them. Day. But all, all this – and we thought it was over. Once the kids left school, no, the guilt continues. Oh, but I, I've thought I've thought up a couple of good outings, and one of them is involved in my GLT today, which okay. you will enjoy. I will look forward to that. My challenge, meanwhile, I have not gone to the Dandenongs yet. I have not walked a thousand steps. But potties, let me tell you, when I do, I will be Instagramming photos of me up the top of Mount Dandenong or wherever it is we climb to. Uh, I think Coco wants to come with me, but I'm happy to go by myself uh, on a weekday when no one's there. Now, we've had a bit of a busy week, you and I. We seem to have been doing lots and lots of things. You went to Montmorency last night, uh, but I just wondered what your favourite outing of the whole week was. That was great last night. You know, like you, you always do in winter, and or nearly not. It's not winter, is it? I was starting to get dark, and I was thinking, oh, long drive, and I. It was wonderful, Corrie. This was a celebration of sport um, put on by the women's sport by the Banyul Council. Um, Kirsten Pilati was there from BCNA. It was a BCNA sanctioned event, and there were women from. The Lower Plenty Football Club, the local tennis club. I met a wonderful Dutch woman tennis player who um, is quite senior at her local tennis club. And there ba- were baseballs around the Heidelberg, yeah, upper up Yarra area, yeah. out of, just out of Melbourne. And so we, I arrived. I was next to the RSL club in Montmorency, and there was a soccer, soccer training going on under lights at the pitch next door. And I spoke, and I met lots of lovely people, and everybody received a lovely empty champagne glass filled with beautiful heart-shaped chocolates, and I was given flowers. And there were – I I reckon it did help that when question time began, that everybody who asked a question got a prize. That was good. And That encourages and shy, all, shy people to come They forward. were all wrapped in pink. And, you know, there were so many good questions, you know, so many good questions about philosophies and women in sport and Indigenous football. And um, one woman who's just started a women's baseball club in the area. Um, a lot of people asking me, why, I don't, why don't I write a book? And anyway, there was all, all sorts of questions. What was your answer to that? Not quite ready. Maybe oh, oh. never will. 
Well, you, you've changed because you used to say that you would never write a book. I want to write a fiction book. Well, we know that, but yeah, oh, okay, off topic. And anyway, but anyway, no, lots of photos, lots of fun. And I, I thought it would be a job. It actually turned out to be one of those things that you drive home and the peak hour's over and even though it's late at night, you feel... Fabulous. Yes. About, well, you feel popular, don't you, sometimes? Uh, and, and you meet I so many wonderful after, people. I certainly felt that after our podcast last week. It is, uh, I don't want to sound like the Queen here, but it is a chance to meet the people who listen to you and support you. And and lots of country people last week, I was so touched that they'd made the effort. The girls from Ballarat who came down, yep. um, the girls from Hamilton, It was and, and other places as well. It was just so affirming that this podcast is a friend to a lot of people and you and I just banging on about our stuff um, is often as in a lonely kitchen or a lonely car ride, just offers a bit of company. And it, I just felt so good after our podcast. Do you know the one question? I really struggled with last night was um, if I could have three people in the world to dinner, who would I have? You know, and I question without notice. Corey Perkin. Well, no, I didn't say you because I can have you every week if I want. And, and in fact, I did. There was a funny story about when you came to dinner last week, but we'll talk about that when we get to books. Um, I said... Theresa May, because I'd love to talk to her about what it's been like. And then I went for the old fallback, George Clooney. And then I just couldn't think of anyone. I could not think of anyone. Oh, so come I, on. I think I said Martin Tyler, the sports broadcaster, because I think he's a really good caller. I thought you were going to say Martin, your builder. And no, 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 I didn't. <laughs> your handyman. <laughs> didn't say Martin. But then, and Who he, is always at your house every came. time I drop in. Martin's always there with well, a cup of tea in his hand. He's become a friend now. But then, um, but then the woman came up to me later. Um, she was lovely. Her name was Megan. And she said, I don't know what, why didn't you say Jacinta Ardern? I said, oh, I just didn't think of Jacinta. Of why course. Didn't you say that? Anyway, there, there we go. There we go. So the- I had a couple of outings, Cara. I went to your um, house for dins with, with um, my hubby and Brendan was there too and a couple of other friends. And so that was a nice outing. Um, and I've played three games of golf, which is extraordinary for me. But my highlights of the week, there were actually three. They were all to do with the Wheeler Centre. Uh, so I have to declare here, of course, that I am on the board of the Wheeler Centre in Melbourne, the Centre for Books, Writing and Ideas. But at the moment, they have a program swinging on the coattails of the Sydney Writers' Festival. It's called Mayhem. And because a lot of international guests have been brought out to Sydney, the Wheeler Centre puts up its hand and says, oh, can we have some of them come down to Melbourne? So last Thursday night, I listened to Sir Simon Sharma, who is one of Britain's great historians, particularly art historians for many years. He was the art reviewer or the art critic for The New Yorker. I was in heaven. Um, And then on Monday night, I listened to another eminent historian, Sir Anthony Beaver, uh, whose new book, Arnhem, I think it's called, is absolutely amazing about how the Allies completely botched up this march toward Germany after the D-Day landing. And then on Tuesday night, I went and listened to my all-time favourite non-fiction writer and somebody who inspired me when I used to have a column for The Age, Susan Orleon. Oh, oh my lordy. Who wrote, did she write Tulip Fever? The, the Orchid Thief. Or, the Orchid Wrong Thief. flower, but, yep. you know, you're on the uh, right train. No, well, no wonder you're exhausted. <laughs> that is the worthiest, most intellectual week I've ever heard of. It, well, the golf wasn't intellectual <laughs> or worthy, but these three events were. And, three of that's too much, Corrie. Well, you I must make, have had next information week, overload. next week, Camilla Shamsi. No, what I actually had, Caro, was I had writer envy. Oh. So 
like you at times, you know, would you write a book or particularly non-fiction books? I've been asked over the years in my special subject, the arts, and I've always thought, oh, no, I can't be bothered. Honestly, particularly after listening to Susan Orley on how she gathers her information and her material, she just a really quick quick anecdote, Carol. You'll love this. So she applied for this. She 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 applied in the nineteen eighties for a job at the New Yorker, and they said, "Well, look, send us a few ideas. Maybe you could do a talk talk, talk of the town, which is that front bit at the beginning, about eight hundred words, and different New York writers write about their city, their life." So she came up with this idea and they said, yes, go for it. She wanted to discover, she wanted to go into the Benetton shops, which you recall particularly in the 80s were just new and hot and amazing. Love and them. she wanted to explore who folds the jumpers. Who folds the jumpers? So when you walk into the knitwear department at Benetton, everything looks so neat, as neat as a pin. Who does that? So she talked to the staff and she, her question was, are you born to be a good folder and that's why you're employed by Benetton? Or do they give you seminars and teaching lessons? And the one thing that came through is that all the people who work for Benetton actually found that this was a lifetime practice. They all go home and they all have completely neat and tidy wardrobes. It was such a funny so story. You, so you're born to it? Well, no. Well, she said there are some innate ones. There are some who just that, that for their sounds, job interviews they have to fold. Um, cultish, like Lululemon. <laughs> but they do. <laughs> That's not cultish. But I it, just it is a bit cultish uh, if you have to go home and practice your fold. Well, I looking. Lululemon's really. Can I say cultish. looking at my linen cupboard the other day? God, what a disaster! I thought I should whiz off to Benetton and have a quick lesson in folding. Anyway, or maybe I could go and visit our friend Linda Newton, Linda who, Newton. who can fold a fitted sheet, as Which, we know, better than anyone I've ever met. And you do a good doona. I do. No one pulls a doona like I do, as one of my friends told me once. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, Corey, I'm, disapp- I'm I'm impressed, and it sounds wonderful. But what about our lunch at the Italian Waiters Club oh. with our friends Mike Sheehan and Jeff Slattery, both friends of the podcast? Why did that not make your top three? When I arrived at the Waiters Club, I texted you all saying. I am in a restaurant with old men. What? Like there were just all these tables of old blokes. There, there. were young people there by the time I arrived, but that wasn't as shocked as a look on your face when they said, "Would you like something to drink?" And Jeff said, "I'll have a glass of water." We all looked at him as though he'd committed a crime. What's with us? What's with us? He said, oh, "I don't drink during the week." Now, when did that rule come in? Why are we having lunch? That was. We had a lot of fun. That was extraordinary. There was a lot of footy about, talent around that what table. What about when Mike Sheen said you were good today? You were actually attentive and you, attentive and you listened and you didn't check your phone. I'm like, when do I ever check my phone? When am I ever distracted? And then he pulls it, and then, he's, then he pulls his phone out and takes a photograph of us and put it on Instagram. And last night, the did last he? time I looked, yeah, a couple hundred people have looked at that photo. Oh. We both look not so bad, I have to oh, say. Okay. Um, Carol, it's been a big week, second last week of the election campaign and a particularly big week in federal politics. Uh, the campaign I felt this week with the third and final debate at the National Press Club was actually a high point. It was, I think both leaders were very civil and very focused. Was that th- the one on Wednesday night? Yes. And some- that Andrew Bolt said that... Bill Shorten won, which was interesting. it was really interesting. Sabra Lane of ABC fame, uh, I think, did an excellent job. She was a bit nervous at the start, but who wouldn't be? But she was really, really good as a moderator. And effectively, the Prime Minister uh, was really shining the light uh, on Labor's policies and their spending. And Bill Shorten's theme was a time for change, particularly climate change was an issue for him. But give us a chance. You've had six years with these this mob. It's time for us. So that was, I suppose, the overarching difference between the two. But 
If anybody is a bit undecided about which party, I would really urge you to go onto ABC iView or you can even just put it into your phone and have a look at this debate. National Press Club debate, Wednesday, uh, May the 8th, I think would be the date. Just tap that in and it will come up and have a view. It's a really compelling one hour. I got home from book club at the shop uh, rather late, uh, had my cup of tea and I actually could not turn the television off. Uh, it's, but gee, that didn't that backfire on the t- Telegraph and News Limited, the mother of all inventions. So I'm wonder, I'm, I'm interested in your backfire. On I'm them? interested in your journalism view of this, Caro. What did you think of the Telegraph picking up on uh, what they felt Bill Shorten was hiding, which was just crazy? I don't know how they kind of assume that. But what did you think of the Telegraph's treatment? And do you think News Limited generally is being too tough on the Labor government? Well, uh, Labor, Sorry, Labor Party. Well, well, I think it's interesting that Labor have just now just no holds barred. They're just absolutely trashing the brand of News Limited. I mean, when Tanya Plibersek comes out and talks about Cayman Island tax havens, and no wonder they're not backing tax reform because, you know, Rupert Murdoch has a history of tax avoidance and his companies. I mean, they are just going, we, they're doing what the Victorian government did. They are completely ignoring News Limited, which no government or potential government has ever done before until the Andrews government did it in their campaign. The the Herald Sun obviously got that one in Melbourne completely wrong and sort of tried to catch up in the last week but didn't happen. So I find that has been fascinating. Clearly it was a bad move when Scott Morrison comes out and says it was disappointing and cruel as well. I mean, you can imagine the phone link up on Wednesday morning after the story on Tuesday. You can imagine um, his advisors saying to him, we have to say something about this. This is going to be the issue of the day. We have to do the right thing here. We have to be seen to be... Take the high ground, yeah. Take the high ground. Bill Shorten, if, if, you, if you buy his adoration and admiration and focus on his mother, which I think is beyond dispute, I think you have to also by the fact that this was a really dumb article and quite cruel. I mean, it is well known. I mean, I I sort of hadn't followed it closely because I work Monday nights. I didn't see Q&A. I went back and watched it and watched the speech, which people felt was a defining moment for him, read the Telegraph article, realised that everybody knows that his mother did in her 50s, finally sit the exam and become a barrister, but far too late for what she wanted. I mean, it was just a crazy idea and they have been smashed and it's been brilliant for Labor. It was interesting, wasn't it, a few months ago that Bill Shorten declined an invitation to go to New York and have a meeting with Rupert Murdoch. That was an interesting, defining moment. And I wonder whether it's a moment that will have a long-term impact on Australian politics generally. And And they've done the preempt. It's like calling... Three diamonds in bridge. They've preempted. I don't know what that means. Oh, I did it several times the other day, not to not to my any um, advantage. But anyway, what they've done is they've said, "We know it's going to come. We know they're going to smash us. We know News Limited are going to come for us now. You know, go your hardest." It's been an interesting tactic, don't you think? And quite I, unusual. Yeah, I have, and I just have to say, there've been, they've, they've been some. There aren't a lot of wits amongst either party, uh, and 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 funny moments. 
But I did love Paul Keating after the Labor Party launch on Sunday. Uh, he was brought in, or I think it's, it sounds like he actually jumped into an interview. He just sort of stood there and said, come on, I've got a few things to say. And um, and he was uh, larger than life, of course, as he usually is. The former Prime Minister said the Liberals were living in the past when it came to coal. And I loved his quote, there's the Prime Minister walking around with a lump of coal. Coal is a fossil. The Prime Minister is a fossil himself, a fossil with a baseball cap, but a fossil. <laughs> I just It was just Paul at his best again. I, I think the, the policies that have, if, if Labor is doing the right thing that will resonate, will be the cancer treatment and the extra funding for childcare workers. That seems to be... Do you know what, though, Caro? I had a very strong feeling watching the debate that climate change now is going to be, it could be for many voters, the thing. Maybe a couple of weeks ago they might have been thinking about superannuation, but particularly with this biodiversity report coming out earlier this week that indicates that we could lose up to a million species in the next few years on the earth. I think a lot of people have just gone, whoa, you know, what does this mean? It could be a southern state's Eastern I think so. I'm still thing. not sure. I mean, I believe climate change is, is real. And when people ask me for the proof, I don't really understand that because when 95 or whatever percent of scientists say it's true, we believe them generally. Um, but I still think superannuation is going to worry more people than climate change in this election. Have you voted yet? God, no. Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. I think you have to wait until the last minute, Whether, even if you are wedded to a party and you have been all your life. Mm, Anna from the op shop has. She admitted to me rather shamefacedly yesterday. So I gather you're a bit disapproving of it too. Oh, well, you know, we've talked about, Corrie. Yeah, we you, need to you listen like... to a word I say. It was a grumpy at least a year ago. <laughs> you know I, I do. Off. I just think about all I, <laughs> the only things I say. I am interested in your thoughts, though, on Barry Humphreys. So there has been an announcement, I think, one final tour for Dame Edna I later know. in the year. Good move or bad move? Interesting move, three or four shows, and very much Dame Edna, not Les Patterson, not Barry Humphreys. It's a Dame Edna show, from what I gather. Well, Barry and, Humphreys is a bit in the sin bin at the moment, well, so no wonder Dame Edna's there. I do love that quote of Dame Edna's a few years ago. I was born in Melbourne with a precious gift. Dame Nature stooped over my cot <laughs> and gave me this gift. It was the ability to laugh at the misfortunes of others. <laughs> Look, I... The thing is about me, <laughs> I, I, I will go because I go to every show. I love the last one and some people didn't like it. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but his comments that saw his name stripped from the award at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, he, he described um, transgender as a fashion. And um, Susan Proven, do you know Susan? Yes, I do. She's been there for years yeah, well, she's the a festival fest director. And she said, look, that was part of the – she admitted that was part of the reason the name was taken from the award. There's been – Although she did say they were talking about a name change for some time, which I never – I couldn't really mm, get to – I she think said, that was a straw that she broke. Said, she said that – or she said that in your paper, actually, The Age, and she said Barry's comments didn't help our relationship, honestly. But overall, we just feel that the festival has grown so much that it's time our award name reflected something broader than just one man. Well, I don't know about that. We don't change the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Academy Awards. Yeah, look – they did because it because of his Cecil comments. Cecil died 50 years ago. Hannah Gadsby was very outspoken. Um, she was one and, and talked about minorities, etc., who would find that quite cruel and offensive. And um, uh, Tony Martin, I think it was, from the old degeneration Tony Martin, bag, bagged the 
move and said, no, 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 this is ridiculous. You know, he's our greatest living, I think, and he was one of many. He said, this is our, our greatest international comedian. He's a great star. I mean, we all agree with that. But I think, you know, this is coming up again and again. And it, it is similar to the Israel Folau controversy that's happening at the moment. He's been found guilty of breaking his contract and the rugby union, ARU, were trying to kick him out of the game. They're, they're saying $4 million goodbye. You're not getting your contract. They offered a million bucks to settle with him. So they must be worried that he will successfully sue them. But again, there is an argument for free speech and religious beliefs in the, in that case and in and in the Barry Humphreys case it's funny that Barry Humphreys never said anything Dame Edna came out and defend or didn't defend him said I couldn't agree more I've been trying to shut him up for years he's out of control so you know obviously he's that's his interesting PR move and now the show is Dame Edna I'm not sure how it's going to sell that will be really fascinating it's it in October be. we'll watch but with the um Israel Folau I just can't understand why there's an argument that he shouldn't be kicked out when I believe he's broken his contract and he was told not to do it and he did it again well if you look at it as a commercial deal absolutely but it was interesting last night Carol more than Israel, commercial though. Israel Folau uh, became an issue it was an issue it was raised last night on the debate between the two leaders yeah. and Bill defended um, him, didn't he? Yeah, well, Bill, Bill, Bill's, but they, in a way, they both did. And I thought both leaders answered it quite well. And I thought Scott Morrison was quite dignified and quite statesmanlike when he talked about how much we cherish freedom of speech in this country. And Bill Shorten was, yes, agree with the freedom of speech thing, but also we have to understand that there are people who would be deeply offended. So he kind of played, there's on one side, there's this, and on one side, there's the other. But they both spoke assuredly about the topic. They didn't flounder. And so clearly this whole issue of how we now handle what we'll, what we'll call minority groups and these sorts of issues is now foremost in politicians' minds. Yes, they don't want to stuff up, but I think actually as human beings, as individuals, more and more people are are becoming aware of the consequences of actions such as this and the role of social media. And we had Alan Joyce, the head of Qantas, coming out again yesterday and saying, I'm going to continue and we are going to continue as an organisation to take on social issues, as he did famously several years ago in fighting for marriage equality, one of the CEOs who signed that letter. I just, even though with the ARU it is commercial and they, they, were going to, they are going to lose a couple of sponsors, I reckon, if Falau stays, that's certainly the threat. I'd think in the in the end, it's actually it's also about vulnerability, and we if we really do care about mental health and what young people are going through, to have a great sporting hero say that you are going to hell go to hell if you are gay, then that is just for a young teenager coming to terms with his or her sexuality, particularly a Polynesian, for example, teenager coming to terms with his sexuality. I cannot imagine how damaging that would be. So, and, and the post is still up, by the way. I, I, I don't like, don't like what he's done, and I think the ARU have to cut him loose. Where, what is the what is the timeline on this? Well, it's the hearing took a lot longer than they planned. He's now been they've found that he's he's gone against the code. So the timeline is now that he's going to we think challenge and appeal, and this could take years. But what is certain is that he won't ever play for Australia again. Sort of sad, isn't it? I suppose so. Now, Corrie, is it time for a crush of the week? 
It is time for crush. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about your crush. And um, I tell you again, Corrie, that this segment is brought to us by the Interchange Bench. For players to take your team to the top of their game, head to the Interchange Bench to fill any professional level role in any industry and sector, both short and long term. Just call 1-800-CORRIE-I-BENCH or see interchangebench.com.au. I've got a feeling. Are we going to go to America or the UK for today? Um, it's Baby Sussex. Oh. Well, actually, Baby Sussex isn't my crush. I don't even know Baby Sussex. You have a godson called Archie. I do indeed. Hello, Archie McLaughlin. Um, is, Archie, is, is your godson Archibald, though? No, he's just Archie. Um, it's not actually Baby Sussex. It's it's uh, Baby the whole Mount Sussex. Baton Windsor. Well, I was going to say Meghan and Harry, but it's actually the whole Sussex firm, if you like, that particular part of the royal family that has decided they want to do it their way. And in the way they have handled the birth of this child and the way Harry in particular has made sure from the get-go that this baby is not going to be part of that whole media circus like William and I were when we were growing up has been exemplary. And the fact that he announced this on Instagram, he had just one news person there and one camera person. And well, that's, came just, out. that's just clever manipulation of the media and totally controlling clever. the message. Totally clever, but no coming out of a hospital like obviously William has in the past, which seems to now be a royal, uh, you know, particularly for heirs to the throne, it seems to be a royal protocol now that that's what you do. But just the way they handled it, I thought today, today's, for example, uh, session, they have arrived, they, the, the couple with the baby have come out in Windsor Castle, in a beautiful hallway of Windsor Castle, and they have just spoken again to just one person, and of course it's gone viral. But Megan, very little makeup, although there has been a lot of discussion about what sort of nail polish was she wearing. People want to know what shade, please. Uh, but, but she did but look a simple, bit dishevelled, didn't she? She just she looked like a she, new mother. She looked like a new mother. Still, you know, her and stomach the inflated hasn't gone tummy. Flat. Yep. That's right. Yep. No girdle, like some of them in the past. We believe have been forced to wear when they leave hospital. Uh, so she had on like a white coat dress, sleeveless coat dress. It looked a little bit like that, and uh, very little makeup. They both look so happy. Harry's holding the baby, which is always, I think, a really sort of nice there thing. There will be some people to be. listening to this going, well, of course they're happy. They've had a beautiful baby. I mean, you know. Yes, I know. But it was it was just such intense joy. And then the lovely photographs of showing the baby to Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth was lovely. The Queen, a queen is joyful. Her face is joyful. Is I Harrison just think they're the managing very well. Yeah. Harrison. Mm. Like what? Harry. Why is don't it? you like Harrison? Oh, yeah, could, think could have done oh better. My goodness, than Harrison. I think you're offending a few podsters out there. They oh, might no. have a few Harrisons. No, it, it's. I love the name. I love Archie. It's American, Archie isn't Harrison. it, Harrison? Yeah, yeah. And it's um, I think it's the American version of Harry, and um, and and I, I just, look, I just think they handled it very well, and I hope that they can continue to keep this baby out of the limelight, and at points whenever they determine and they want to manage it, that they're allowed to. So well done, Sussexes. A very happy crush, but you're also grumpy. Yes, <clears throat> I am grumpy. As we said before, I have played three games of golf in the last few days. And as you said, I was the guest of Lynn Swinburne, our dear friend. Not You've been only, very nervous about this. I was. because We've Lynn, had to put the podcast off two days to get I you know. through this. 
So Lynn is, as well as being the chair of the Royal Women's Hospital and the founder of Breast Cancer Network Australia, Lynn is also the president of her golf club, which is an incredible achievement because men and this is the first time a woman has been in the role of the president of the club, not the women's president, the president of the club. And she asked me to play golf with her as her guest. So, of course, you can imagine me driving down to the golf course. I thought if I could just have a nip of whiskey, that would be helpful. Caro, I played like a dog. Oh, my rhythm was out. With apologies to all the dogs listening. Oh, sorry, dogs. Come on. This is (laughs) taking political correctness way too far. Oh, I just couldn't get my rhythm. Look, golfers will know the sort of day that I had. And fortunately, you're playing in a team of four. Lynn and our two other friends were, they were such lovely company. So hello, girls, and thanks for the great game. And it was a beautiful day and the course was magnificent. But I was grumpy. And I was so grumpy, I was becoming really agitated and really angry. And then on about the, I don't know what hole, maybe the 11th or 12th, and this is my tip, not just to golfers, but to anybody, smell the roses. So here I am playing with Lynn Swinburne, who is a breast cancer survivor. All of us have had tragedies or traumas in our life. There would be thousands of women who would be wanting to play with us that day, but for whatever reason, whether they're having a chemo treatment or at home getting over an operation or some sort of ailment, they would love to have been out playing golf. And here was I playing golf and I was grumpy because I had one shot left and I was 150 well, from think, the green. I think that's fair enough though. I, think no, I had to put it into perspective, Caro. I just had to actually give myself a big shake. I was grumpy with myself for being quite self-absorbed and I thought this Did is... Did it improve your driving after well, you enough, the roses? Well, funnily enough, it did actually. The girls, I, I then got a... I think that the next hole I, I parred, which was pretty fabulous. It didn't continue for the day. But I, I did sort of have to have a good hard look at myself. And I'm sure you must do this too. I know that you get quite stressed in bridge. I don't understand how bridge works, but I can understand if you're playing a competition, it's, it, it's stressful. But we have to just say, thank God we've got the morning off or the afternoon off. Thank God, like in your case, you're playing with your mum as your partner. I mean, what a gift is that? And so I think sometimes we don't, just have to all have don't to. don't think she thought that the other day. We, we ended our charity bridge day and I thought, well, we haven't done too badly, probably middle, second last out of 20. Oh, but you came third the I week know, before, didn't you? I know. Mum slumped off and said, oh, I'm going to take give it up for a while. I said, no, come on. That's not the attitude. Buck up. You're a bit like Hawthorne. Up, down, up, down. <laughs> I know. Come on, you girls, rally. Well... I'm sorry what you about, were grumpy. What, how embarrassing if Jewel gave you the sack as her bridge partner. No, she, then she said, oh, I'm going to give her the sack, but I was equally bad. I mean, look, anyway, look, it's just one of those things. Do you, do you ever crack at each other when you get in the car and go home and say, if only well, you'd done that? No, no, no. played that? No, no. When you, the part. thing about it, the partnership is the interesting thing in bridge, like golf, I guess, when you play in foursomes. Mum occasionally tells me I've done the wrong thing, as I wanted to, because I'm still, you know, learning. I'll tell her when she does the wrong thing. but I, I, I bet don't. you do, Caroline Wilson. But in a you know, and I do it with my other bridge partner, Mary, but and she does it to me, and, and she should. But someone said to me a few weeks ago, I said, Sorry, look, don't think I'm having a go at my mother. And they said, Well, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> I thought, Oh dear, that's not the lady who hit I'm coming it. across as a bully. <laughs> no, no, you no. never. Oh. Are you kidding? Let, time to move on. <laughs> what about it was the lady who hit the hand? No, look, there. that was a long time ago, and we don't know who she Slaps, was. Don't you dare! I'm do never going to tell you a negative bridge story again because among all the among that stories like that, there are many happy now, ones. Now, Caro, we're on to BSF now, uh, and B doesn't stand for bridge. It, 
stands for Books, Screen and Food. And this little segment is brought to you by our friends at Vital Smarts. Is your organisation suffering from unsupportive, lazy or poor performers? Oh, might be here if I look at my partner over there. Vital Smarts training I think gives your, for bad tempered golfers. Just saying, Vital Smarts training gives your staff the skills to speak up and hold others accountable. Based on thirty years of research and globally proven to solve communication and behaviour problems in any culture or industry, visit vitalsmarts.com.au. That could really apply to the golf game, couldn't it? Well. I know you've got a book, but I um, thank you, Vital Smarts. But I, I just want to apologise again for what that slightly embarrassing incident that happened on Saturday night. I want you to tell everybody who's listening about your slightly embarrassing incident well, on Friday, Saturday night. Uh, we had a lovely dinner around the fire, watching the Tigers lose. That was a bit of a downer, but everything else went well. I think we all had a nice time. And as I was cleaning up... You cooked um, a lovely meal. Thank you. And one of the recipes is about to be shared with the group, but... Um, I saw a lovely parcel and you bought oysters and you bought a lovely bottle of champagne and I knew it was from you because it was in your beautiful paper from my bookshop. And I thought, oh, Corrie's bought me a hostess gift. I must open it. She spent a lot of money on me today. She's already done oysters and champagne. And there was a beautiful book called Good Food, um, favourite recipes from all these well-known chefs like Neil Perry and um, Andrew McConnell and Jill Duplay and Dan... Danielle Alvarez. Anyway, I thought, oh, how lovely. So I sent you a lovely late night text saying you were far too generous and the book as well, blah, blah, blah. And you did take a while to get back to me the next day. Oh, I just looked. I thought, oh, you dickhead. You've got to realise that this was not for you. <laughs> it wasn't for me. And, and then you were obviously embarrassed because you said, but, you know, actually that was for Mary, our other guest, because it's her birthday next week. And she's obviously, you know, left quite late and forgotten to take her present. And I've opened it and you've said to me, look, but if you, I'll, I'm happy for you to keep it and Mary can, um, I'll get Mary another one. Your punishment now is you're not getting it. You have to wait for your birthday. <sighs> Oh, who but, opens up? Who opens up someone else's birthday present? Where were you when there was Mary, no card? When Mary, no, when Mary first came in. Oh, well, I was I busy, probably to, busy stirring the casserole. No, it wasn't casserole. You, you, was you, it? We were gathered around the kitchen bench, Caro. I was putting it wasn't, it wasn't like you were in another wing of the house. Well, unfortunately for and you, Mary goes. Oh, thank you very much. And I said, look, it's an unexpected gift, but it is a cookbook. Not, I'm not saying that Mary doesn't cook, but, you know, we've all got so many cookbooks. But I said, this is to die for cookbook. This is such a good cookbook. And she was very excited about it. And she said, I'll open it on Tuesday, which was her birthday. Well, okay, clearly. In a loud voice. Clearly, I was tending to no, the No, you won't, Mary, because Caro's fleeced it. I was checking to the roast, checking the roast potatoes. And but then you said Clem's had a good look through it. Clem's had poured through the entire thing, taken photographs, Speaking planned recipes. Speaking of paws, I hope she had clean paws. <laughs> she so did. Poor Mary. So did she, she give did the, did she give the gift back to me? I gave it to Mary, and Mary then was embarrassed and said, oh, I left it behind. I said, yeah, well, when you left, it was all in a bit of a flurry, and unfortunately, I've opened it. <laughs> but it, it, here it is with Corrie's good wishes. So, But it was so beautifully wrapped. Oh, well, she must have seen it. Oh, you owe me one big time. Anyway, our book is the aforementioned Good Food Favourite Recipes. So, Caro, oh, I don't have to tell you a thing about this book. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's fabulous. I actually, I'm I'm actually now Jane. want it. I I'm, now now want tu- it. I'm now turning to Miss Jane. I'm ignoring you. So, Jane, this book and listeners... This book is a collection of all the recipes that have been in the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald's Good Weekend section over the years. They've now actually branded itself uh, 
it used to be the age good food guide and Epicure and all of that kind of thing back in the day. It's now good food and it's a brand on its own. But Fairfax slash Channel 9, I don't know what they're called now, they have uh, the services of a number of Australian chefs and what the editor of this esteemed publication has done is chosen the best, but they're not the most difficult. They're for cooks like us, the mediocre, moderate to fairly good, or in Caroline Wilson's case after Saturday night, the you're not mediocre, Corey. <laughs> the very, good very cook. good cook. I was waiting for you to talk about yourself, but it was nice for you to give me a compliment. So we've got, as Cara said earlier, Jill Duplay, Helen Goh, who, of course, is a fabulous pudding and dessert maker, and she does work with um, Yotta Motolungi. Adam Lau, who won MasterChef, Neil Perry, Andrew McConnell, the list goes on. But some of these recipes, Caro and Jane, are so fantastic. There is a lemon raspberry meringue pie by Katrina Menink, which is, oh, goodness gracious, I haven't made, I haven't made it yet, but I'm going to. I, might, I have to sort of perfect my meringue. I'm not so good on it. There is a Moroccan-style slow-roasted lamb leg with eggplant. I like the look of that one. Yeah, Anna from that. the op shop, Anna and Chris, um, years and years ago, gave me, uh, on my wedding day actually, uh, one of those Moroccan oh, tagine Hot, beautiful serving dishes, which I bring out occasionally. This will sit very nicely in there. Uh, there's lots of vegetarian dishes too. So the great thing about this book is it's a flexi cover, so you can, if you spill things on it, you can easily wipe it down with your little rag. I didn't spill anything on it. You'll be happy to hear. I hope you, and got, I rid hope of, you got rid of Clem's poor, I hope poor you, prints. I hope you soaked your um, tagine pot in water for 24 hours. Oh, I didn't know you had to do yeah, that. Yeah, you Why? have to do that. Why? That's what they, what it, oh, okay. what they well, say oh, right, before okay. you put in the oven. Uh, now, Good Food Favourite Recipes is thirty nine ninety nine. It's just a bumper book and a great one for Mother's Day. So there you go, everyone. Caro, you have a screen. You know, Corrie, this is a tour de force, this film. It has had good to medium to okay reviews. It's called Gloria Bell. It stars Julianne Moore, one of my favourite actresses. Go and see it as a one-woman brilliant performance. It is a she's re- a single. She's a single woman in her fifties. In or her fifties, living in LA, she loves to party. She's got problematic ex-husband, problematic kids. You know, nice kids. Um, she has forms a relationship with a brilliant. Brilliantly acted John Tuturo, who's a fairly needy sort of bloke who's got issues of of his own. It is a complete remake of a Spanish film called Gloria. Um, I think that one starred Pauline Garcia and it was directed by Sebastian Lelio. And I think Julianne Moore went to Sebastian Lelio and said, I'd love to do a remake of this, but only if you direct it. So he's directed it again. So if you've seen the original, it's identical. It's almost identical, but it's in English, not Spanish. How interesting. What an opportunity to revisit, be able to revisit your work like that. Well, exactly. And Imagine I, if you could go back and rewrite a story that you wrote five years ago. I know, well, exactly. And if it was exactly the same. but yeah. we, Well, it wouldn't happen in real life, Corrie, because it's fiction. But anyway, look, it, it, I but really... He was the director who directed it again. Yeah, except it's only obviously a makeup story. And I, I think it's maybe an homage to someone he knew. But anyway, she is as good as Pauline Garcia was. It is a wonderful film. It's just a wonderful, entertaining, good story about normal people. Oh, hooray. Yep, a film exactly. about normal people. Exactly. Well, I mean, she's not normal, but she's great. So go and see Gloria Bell. It's fabulous. Now, Corrie, I'm moving on to recipes. 
I made and... Um, I bet it was something out of good food. No, your husband Pete really liked it, so I thought I'd share the recipe, which is the simplest recipe in the world, my mum's cauliflower cheese. This is so easy, Corrie, and winter's coming up and we all love a roast. And what roast is not complete without my mum's tomato and onion pie or her cauliflower cheese. This is so easy. Get a whole cauliflower and boil it, but don't boil it till it's soft. Boil it till it's half cooked. Sit it in a nice dish. Make a white sauce, which is, of course, equal parts butter, equal parts flour. Cook it up for what about... sort of flour? Plain flour. Oh, I just wanted, to, qual- I wanted you to qualify. It could have been corn flour, Carol. They all have triple zeros on them now, clemmed by so many different types of flours. But the old, Ooh, you know... Watch those weevils. The old white wings, well, we'll get them the way she's buying all this flour. We've got about five different types. But you cook it in, obviously, over a heat, and you stir it around for five minutes to get the flour taste out, like you make any roux. And then to for the bechamel sauce or the white sauce, you just add milk slowly until it becomes the thickness of a white sauce. You pour that over the cauliflower. To so some- Covering point? Well, no, God no, because it's a whole cauliflower. You can break it up as I did because it is easier to cook, but it looks better. It's more impressive as a whole. So the cauliflower is sort of half cooked, but once you pour over the hot white sauce, it continues to cook, and some goes in the dish of the tra- in the pan or the baking dish, and some goes over the cauliflower, and then a nice strong tasty cheese is grated over the top of that. Put the whole lot in a 180 oven for about 15 to 20 minutes until the cheese goes golden brown. Take it out, serve it. That's cauliflower cheese. That was yum. It could have been a course on itself, Cara. It was delicious. Um, just a little message to my veggie patch. Uh, <laughs> Hello, everyone. I hope you're growing well and enjoying the rain. But to the cauliflower, get growing, guys. Get yes. growing. I want to make this dish. Oh, okay. You're going to grow your own. own. I have them in the veggie patch. Have you got those smart little designer purple and green ones? No, no. I'm just starting with your basic white. Clem's doing a very imaginative cauliflower thing for Mother's Day, which brings me to six quick questions. No, wait Corey. on. We've got to thank Vital Smart's globally proven crucial conversations. Hold tough conversations well, as I am doing today with Caroline Wilson. Now, away you go. Oh, well, I've got to ask you. <laughs> open the batting, please. What do you love most about Mother's Day? We asked your mum this last week. Two things, and I'm not doing it this year, but doing that Mother's Day fun run walk around the tan, which I did last year with my son, Ned. We did two tans, I think, and it was just fabulous to get his undivided for about an hour and a half or an hour and then have a nice breakfast. But I think what I love most is the utmost absolute certainty that I will be the one who has bought a cup of, brought a cup of tea in bed. <coughs> yeah, well, that's as it should be, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, that's what I love most about Mother's Day. What was your favourite Facebook moment this week, Corrie? Okay, if you go on to, well, you won't because you don't um, follow Facebook or you're on Facebook, but if those who are going to Choir, 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 which is a Canadian musical choir based in Toronto, and instead of following a traditional choir, their choir is actually structured as an open participation group. So if you want to have a sing, you just work out where they're having their event and you go along and you spend about an hour learning whatever the thing is going to do and then you sing the song. They do so many great things. They do the Supremes, they do Elton John, Tiny Dancer is a classic. But the other day on my Facebook feed, up came David Byrne of Talking Heads doing uh, David Bowie's We Can Be Heroes with Choir, Choir, Choir and one guitarist. Fantastic. So everybody must look this up. I had tears in my eyes. They are amazing. Um, 
they the other one they do is uh, which is also really fantastic is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. But actually singing with David Byrne was fantastic. That was a highlight for me. Now, um, Caro, we did mention this earlier, but I am interested in what you think. Israel Folau did Rugby Australia's independent panel get it right? Yes, they did get it right, although they're going to be legally challenged. But they got it wrong. Raylene Castle, the CEO, got it wrong last year when she handed him a new four-year contract, given everything with hindsight that has happened since. Corrie, what do you love most about Mother's Day? Well, I won't say the obvious, which is time with your children, because that's a, a given. And now, of course, these days, time with your grandchildren and also watching your daughter now enjoy Mother's Day. There's no... There's no greater gift. It's such a lovely thing. I just want to say, Caro, that for those of us who do not have mothers anymore in our lives, Mother's Day presents us with a really wonderful opportunity, not that we need an excuse, but it's a great day of reflection to remember your mum and to remember the happy times and not think about the sadnesses or if they were ill for a long period of time or the fights or the bickering or the teenage tantrums you had with your mum or anything, to just think about the lovely days. My mum, Peg, adored Mother's Day. And usually what we would do is we would pick her up, drive her down to my brother's place. He lives just near Parkdale. And we would have a family lunch or a family dinner with all grandchildren, with everybody there. And mum would love it. I mean, at some point, this won't surprise you, she'd go outside and light the cigarette because she wasn't allowed to have a ciggy inside yeah. <laughs> with the glass of wine. But there'd I'm always sure be... Steve a, wouldn't have allowed that. There'd always be a couple of grandchildren, probably one of mine, who would be joining her. But I always think about my mum on Mother's Day. So I want... All, everybody there to just take that as an absolute plus rather than a negative because it can be a very sad day but let's just try and think of the positives and how much we love our mums whether they're there or not. Well Clem is cooking for her mum and my mum this Sunday so I'll take you through it next week because it does I think it's going to be a tour de force. Well I bet some of it's out of good food she's probably taken photographs illegally tell her that she's broken (laughs) copyright if she did. (laughs) Caro this week we four you, Mike Sheehan, Jeff Slattery and myself, past and present footy writers, had lunch together. If you could choose four past and present or indeed dead footy players to have lunch with, who would they be? Oh, gee, that is a tough one. Well, you had trouble with famous people generally. So. I'm, I know, I know. Look, these are just four that have come to me randomly. Ian Stewart, who is still alive, the triple Brownlow medalist who won his last Brownlow at Richmond. He's just a fascinating bloke. Doesn't speak publicly often, but he's so fascinating when he does. John Gould, the Carlton player, who was a, a sort of bon vivant of his time and is also still going. Ron Barassi Sr., because he was such a legend and I'd love to talk to him about what it was really like, you know, back then. And, of course, he then famously died on the battlefields of World War Two. So I'd, I'd love to – he was such a legend. I was going to say John Coleman, who died so young, but I think I'm going to go with Sid Jackson because Sid Jackson was one of the first really well-known and recognised Indigenous footballers. Obviously, they went way back, way back to um, – you know, Doug Nichols. But I think Sid Jackson and what he had to put up with and what he dealt with at the Carlton Football Club during the sixties and seventies. And he 70s, seemed like such a nice bloke, Sid Jackson, didn't he? I'd love to hear I'd love to hear from Sid Jackson. So there's four that's, very, very random that's selections. That's a nice list. And my question to you, the final one is you have a GLT. I do, and I plan to do this with one of my children and I suggest you do it too. Head to the Melbourne Museum to this wonderful new exhibition which is called Revolutions. Um, subtitle, Records and Rebels. It's been put together by um, 
a wonderful woman called Vicky Brokes, Victoria Brokes. She's from the Victoria and Albert Museum in the UK. She brought the Kylie exhibition to Melbourne after a great success in the UK at the V&A. She also did this wonderful exhibition um, about Pink Floyd, which I saw in oh, London. Oh, yes, I saw that. Wasn't oh, that amazing? It was brilliant. Well, this is similar. Well, it's not really similar, It's but it's so interesting. It's all about the music of the 60s, and it's a very definitive period. I think it's actually... Is it 66 to 70 or 67 to 71? Anyway, it's four years of music and culture that changed everything. I mean, John, I think John Lennon's guitars there. There's all manner of things. Hendrix, Woodstock. It is the most wonderful exhibition. It's on at the Melbourne Museum. It's going till August. And I suggest you go and see it. It's fabulous. I I'm will, going again. I loved the Pink Floyd. I thought that was a great one. Uh, well, that is a very good um, GLT. And We've had a few GLTs actually sprinkled through the whole show. We have. <laughs> Including, just remember, when you're giving somebody a gift, maybe you should put a tag on it so that the hostess doesn't think it's for her. Uh, thanks for your company, everyone. <laughs> and if you're not sure if it's your present, don't open it. <laughs> well, exactly. Especially when the guest has bought other goodies as well. Your wrapping's very nice, so, Corrie. Are you a bit cultish? Are you like um, Benetton? Do you People yes. who work for you have to go to folding school? Oh, I've told you this. When I went to Wrapping work at school? George's at the age of 15 and a half, the first thing I was taught to do was to wrap without using sticky tape. I've told you that story. Yeah. Um, and now, I was listening. You were not. Potties, uh, thank you for joining us today. Please tell your friends and family to subscribe to our podcast. Now, there's a good Mother's Day gift you can give to your mother or your grandmother or someone you love. Just show them how to get onto podcasts and then pop in Don't Shoot the Messenger and they'll be uh, joining us and having chats with us every week. Please send your feedbacks and comments and tips and everything to Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page. You can also leave little messages on Instagram. Our Instagram account is at Don't Shoot Pod. We tweet 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 just join us at don't shoot pod and you of course can email us feedback at don't shoot pod.com.au uh, we are releasing a new episode of the book pod this week of course the current one is our book club that we have done with Cara's daughter rose and jane Neal, our producer the book was middle england you can have a listen to that but our latest episode is a wonderful uh talent amazing book on Elizabeth MacArthur, the wife of John MacArthur, and it is written by Michelle Scott Tucker. And it's a great book, and I urge everybody to have a read of that. Now, we also do footy tips. Gosh, what don't we do, Caro? We're as busy as 10 men. We here. are. So we you are. can listen Rose to our... tip for me last week. How did she go? Oh, we'll find out, I guess. Yeah, not so well. Oh. Anyway, we do a little bonus episode each week, which is footy tips, and we have a competition which you can join. It's not too late. I know the season feels like it's half over, but you can join us. Carol, it's been lovely seeing you. Jane and Carol, happy Mother's Day to you both. And Carol, what do we say? Don't shoot the messenger. Hi, I'm Ann Summers. Hello, this is Laura Tingle. Hi, this is Leanne Moriarty. I'm Jen Harper. Hi, I'm Marcus Suzak. I'm David Maher. Join me on The Book Pod. I hope you can join Corey Perkin and I on The Book Pod. I would have been any one of the famous five. I just wanted to have those sorts of adventures because, believe me, nothing like that happened in suburban Caulfield. Always, no matter how abstract the issue, you have to find the narrative and you have to find characters and around those you build the story. You know, some authors take a decade to write a book. I would miss the meeting the readers. And I think also people often completely underestimate if something is easy to read, they think that means it's easy to write and 
and it's absolutely not. It's such a skill. Subscribe to the book pod. Subscribe to the book pod. In your favourite podcast app. Wherever you listen to podcasts.